Warning, the following content contains sounds. Some sapients of Homo have episodic memories with undesired correlation sensations with particular sounds depending upon their mood and personalities. Although many attach their identities with notions and actions, the mockery that is included in here is directed towards the latter two and not the first. Having said that, hello, welcome to Correlation Sensations, a show where I talk about your mother's mammalian protuberances. Yes, yes. Mm. Hello, welcome to another episode from Correlation Sensation. As the title is indicated, this is episode number 15, Plato Fight Fight. Oh, I'm sorry, This is going to be some more than All are welcome here. There is no limit on the number of people who will be allowed because this is a fictional group. Sit back, relax, listen to your So, I left that Adiamantis interjecting on part two. Yeah. This is where he thinks another side of the story of which was spoken to Socrates by Glaucon, was put into play to make the whole story make more sense with this social stigma enigma. It begins with education. I have been telling Void that over and over again that it all starts with uh, what a perspective a person is a bred to think. Given enough mental plaster to build a house of beliefs, a person will commonly not listen to another point of view which contradicts theirs. Especially as they get older, and harder, and crustier, and crumblier, and cracked. But we not go get into that, will we? No. Oh, that's so right. Where you come from? I came from your happy place. I know you're not in a good mood, Gork. Yeah, so? Well, it helps to talk about it. Yeah, that's what they say. But every time I talk about it, I started getting really mad. And I started screaming and raging around and pulling out my meninges hairs. Oh, those hurt so much. Why they got to be so thick? I don't know. That's the way you were made. Yeah, I can't wait to get off this planet, if you know what I mean. Yeah? Well, why don't you start reading more? Maybe take your mind off of it. That's exactly what I was thinking. Why'd you even come up, I don't know. Apparently, you're not in a good place right now. Yeah, so? Eddie Mantis exclaims that teachers and parents are all lumped together as telling the newer generation that justice isn't for the sake of just being just. Yep. It's rather for the sake of social appearances. At this point, I would cut them off and claim that social appearances really stopped me from expressing a difference in our point of view or how I act. And also my parents, at least one of them, really told me not to give a hoot. The other one told me, appearances is everything. Then I was confused. 
That's how I wound up here today. Some may think that picking my nose in public is a terrible thing to do, especially during these times when the Mother Nature has made up a new exam for the masses, and some may not pass. But that was not an insensitive joke. This was serious because, based off of evolution theory, that is exactly what a virus is. Anywho, since I did not cut off Adiamentus, because he's a fictional character in an old crusty book written by none other than Plato, Adiamentus continues to elaborate on his previous statement with the focus of our reputation being the reason why many want to be just. Parents express desires to live through their children vicariously, yearning for their offspring to step up the social ladder in marriages and career opportunities, specifically political office in this story. Statistically speaking, those who seek approval over questioning the status quo will perform better in a vast array of goals which require social acceptance. Alas, I do not desire this. And this is exactly why I live in a box, down by the river, eating little things as I see them. Sometimes I get lucky and get a stray cat. In addition to the social praises, the best marriage chances, and career opportunities, the gods will then shower you with a plentiful bounty of ridiculousness. Much like something else in religion. Anywho, a nice dessert will be waiting for you in the ground when you die, according to many fables throughout human history. Related to this, I want to go into a quote for a description given for the type of place you will be in during your life. To to hear acorns at their summit and bees in the middle, and the sheep then bowed down bowed with the weight of their fleece, and many other blessings of a like kind are provided for them. And Homer has a very similar strain, for he speaks of one whose fame is, and quote, Adiamantis. Riveting, isn't it? Oh, wowee. So special. Do you think I'm selling it, boss? I think you could do a better job. Oh, God damn it. Is there hell? What? It's going terrible. Everything is terrible. Look at it. The whole world is shut down. Except for a lot of places that don't have a whole high incident rate of that damn disease. Coronavirus. I want to get him back. And I want to have him face one of humanity's greatest achievements. A pathologist. Ha ha ha. Ooh. I have a treat for you people, I think. I hope. Hope we'll get to the bottom of this. Then I, Gork, soon to be your leader, I mean friend, will finally become president. (laughs) Yes, that's how it works. It says here in this book, a just king will be given more awesome things, which I don't really care for, such as 
grains are said to be bountiful, and trees bending due to the amount of fruit that they yield, with fish given to you by the sea, and a never-ending supply of sheep hair, nice for your coats and your warm blankets. Mm. This definitely shows the age of this book. I think more people would want to hear about an endless supply of whatever culinary confections they desire. Like that place, McDonald's. Those are bastards. And name brand clothing, still stained with the sweat of poor little children down in third world countries. That is right. That and whatever beeping and booping gadgets you can get, which have caused many to become addicted, much like you, Void. I know you're listening here. I tell you now, you got to uh, have a moderation there. That thing is going to burn your brain. Fire to make it go go boom. Yep, no, no lie here. Back to topic. Added even further into this fairy tale of the afterlife, for the just king, where saints will be lying there, waiting to feast with him where they are never-endingly drunk. What if someone doesn't care to become drunk? If a person is wicked, the person goes to Hades in order to endlessly pour water into strainers. Sounds very productive. There are also stories where people express how many citizens praise those who accomplish so little while being bad and are capable of affording more than enough to appease the gods to atone for their past transgressions and the same for their ancestors. Their cheating style is also known as easy, while arduous labor is the description given for being just. Nothing worthwhile is said to be easy. Meanwhile, many spend a lot of time not accomplishing much in order to stay good when they could have easily decided to cheat and steal their way to the top of the social hierarchy. There is a quote used regarding how a person can easily get to the top of a tower and reign over people, while the correct quote-unquote way is said to be much harder. Then at the same time, they uh, used an argument that one person had said about being a bad person is that there's a lot of work to cover up your tracks. Then they said, everything great, hard labor. Then they use this excuse that uh, hard labor is not good, even though that's the work of a just person. So there you go. Wow, these two paths can be taken. A description of appearances yet again given to be the ruler over people's opinions of you. This sapien homo goes on to point out that the old poets and sages have said that the gods cannot be persuaded. Yet how can this be so, if people are capable of sacrificing animals to appease them? What if there aren't any gods? Or what if they are so great that mere mortals are of no concern to them in these stories, which are the only thing people know of to be here regarding the gods, are completely false? He just shows how lies can be seen even at the time with so much less known about the world than is today. Some may say the subatomic realm is still mystifying. 
I would then say, so was a plethora of body functions, including genetics and flatulence. And that subatomic realm is just the next seemingly mystical thing humans have yet to fully comprehend. Socrates acknowledges the great effort he must now take in order to stand for justice. He uses the analogy of how people need to view larger pictures of letters in order to know what smaller letters say from far away, at which point I shake my head. I think this whole series could have been stopped by merely countering all the points showed with how this can be solved by restarting society. Alas, this goes on for quite some time. Yes, indeed he do. Socrates then begins to explain that a republic will be the larger picture to help view the way justice is greater than injustice within the individual, which explains the reason why he brought up the scenario of a larger and smaller set of words. Ooh. Socrates generalizes by saying everyone wants a multitude of things, and not one person can create all the things which are necessary to be able to have all the things one wants. This is said to be the origin of the Republic, a collection of people coming together all over their faces in order to exchange goods and services for benefit of each other so their lives can be easier. Things like sustenance, housing, and clothing need multiple jobs in order to satisfy this dream. He pointed out how counterproductive it is to attempt to do all the jobs you need in order to fill your needs. Both Adiamantus and Socrates came to an agreement on how each person works best at one job position because not one person is self-sufficient. I disagree. Yep. Sufficiency depends on the desired outcome of a life. If one is fine with living in the wilderness without anything but the flow of life outside human society, and if that person is able to feed themselves by hunting and gathering, and able to stay warm and stay cool when necessary, and able to copulate with another person who is willing to do just the same thing, then that person is in fact self-sufficient. But, if you think about it, everybody is dependent upon all the factors necessary to accomplish your goals. Beginning in what Socrates refers to as our needs, they go into the process of speaking about food, housing, clothing, medical care, and such. Farmers, builders, weavers, shoemakers, and physicians were the initial desired people for this small republic. Socrates pretends that when a person has one specific job which contributes to society, no other tasks are performed by that individual. A belief that a person can only do one job to their best abilities infects the rest of the scenario regarding the Republic, like a damn coronavirus. Perhaps it is true that a person can truly hold only one position at an optimum level. But then again, I think of all the things that uh, I do to my satisfaction, or better in some surprising ways, to myself, I also think about all those other people who hold multiple different positions in a certain thing. Yes, like a band. Like someone who can sing and play guitar really well. Hmm. Hmm, like a, like a prince. He do multiple jobs. There you go, he write it too. I think this limits people on uh, 
achieving neural understanding, thus appreciation for different aspects of life. The correct timing for these jobs performed is mentioned, for business demands, don't wait, no, 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 no. A realization is made regarding the tools necessary for all these jobs. Moving to the idea that another person needs to add to their republic, herders, metal workers, and carpenters are now added with this whole group of people. Then a desire for trading among other republic grows, so sailors and traders are added too. A common currency in the marketplace are also desired to be had. Salespersons, defined as the weakest and incapable to perform any other tasks, are then described to work for the marketplace. So the farmers and such are not wasting their time waiting for another person to work transactions with. Another dogma representing Plato's bias has Socrates claiming that laborers are those who don't have the intellect, so they are used much like cattle in aiding the production of multiple goods. Nice one, you bastard. At this point, Adiasmantis and Socrates conclude that this republic is complete until Socrates begins defining the average lifestyle of a person. Wheat and barley are used to make delectable cakes and wine with salt, olives, mortal berries, cheese, and nuts as delicacies for these people, making sure they enjoy coitus, but not to the point of having so many children that it goes above their means. This is unsatisfactory for Adiamantus. Even with the delicacies, these people are described as consuming what swine would ingest, according to that guy. Even if they live uh, to a ripe old age, they are said to have lived a mere poor life. Couches, chairs, tables, and modern desserts are what they should have, because living any other way is not quote-unquote comfortable. Socrates expresses enjoyment for the direction this conversation is headed, because he indicates that this is where one will see more evidence for justice and injustice play out regarding the luxurious lifestyle. Prostitutes, pastries, incense, and perfumes fill the aromas of the air of this more modern republic. Production of embroidery, painting, gold, ivory, and such are added to this list as well going far beyond basic needs for a mere normal republic. Then they'll have imitators, musicians, poets, physical artists, dancers, contractors, and people who make all kinds of ornaments. Servants, wet nurses, pastry makers, beauticians, hairdressers, chefs, and for some reason hunters are added into the mix. Although I thought hunting and gathering tribes were a group of some of the most basic type of human civilizations. Perhaps hunting done when necessity doesn't call for it is something of a more modern and luxurious civilization. He's going out to hunt. For they hunt. Because he can. Not because he needs to. This is luxurious. Look at my luxurious weapon. Look at my luxurious time. I go camping. Oh, so luxurious. Herders of pigs and other animals are said to be needed as well. This sort of lifestyle is said by Socrates to lead to a much higher demand for doctors too because apparently it is not good for the soul or for the body. All of these new additions has Socrates claiming this hypothetical land isn't good enough now. Some of the neighbor's land is then targeted for theft. 
although Socrates did not say theft. Oh, no, no, no. The concept that neighbors would desire more land as well is postulated. War is now viewed as inevitable of both republics because they both have insatiable appetites for more than just their basic means. It is noted by Socrates that all the evils within a society come with this sort of luxurious lifestyle. Now a professional army is in demand. Adiamantus seemed surprised that Socrates wanted the population to go up in order to have people's whole purpose to go to war. At this point, the Republic seems to be beneficial to the masses because they aren't demanding people who already have a large portion of their day with one job to use it for another one. Good guards and good dogs are wanted for their gentle nature towards friends and with harsh nature towards the foes. The consideration of these attributes seemingly opposes each, ch each other has both Adiamantus and Socrates claiming that they're in an impasse. Claiming that they're in an impasse. Until Socrates shows that good guard dogs, when trained, will do exactly what is described. The suggestion of using a high-spirited individual with a combination of philosophical nature was brought up with Adiamantus not concurring with Socrates on this topic initially. When Socrates shows how a dog sees a stranger as a threat and welcomes an acquaintance, even though I've met many a dog that was uh, reversed or held one position regardless of familiarity, a claim that dogs are philosophical nature desiring knowledge and wisdom. Oh, oh, oh. oh wise doggy, can you tell me what will happen today? Bark, 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 bark. In order to instill this nature into people, education quickly became the next topic, thinking they should change how people are educated, using the common idea of teaching arts prior to gymnastics. Socrates speaks of using fictional stories for the little ones before they reach a certain age. The major difference is the censorship of certain stories to the children influencing mothers and caretakers to use only appropriate stories for the little one's minds. All the stories regarding gods depicting them as people who do harm to others, tricking others, and lying to each other are to be banned. An example is using Uranus by Hesiod, having Cronus retaliating, while Cronus' own son punished his father. All right. It is bad because it shows how adults can make mistakes and not always have people's best interest in their minds. Yeah, you don't want children to question their parents, let alone desiring their parents to be punished for doing terrible things to them. But uh, after further looking into this myth, I found out that Uranus was the father of Cronos. Cronos was locked up somewhere by his father. And when Cronos reached the proper age, he taught his father a lesson. Later, Cronus was told that his own children would do the same to him. Then, the only logical thing that could be done, Cronus ate his own children. Yeah, makes sense. Why not just scrap these stories altogether and just try to teach people what life is all about? Hmm. That would have been my choice, but uh, oh, I'm just a gork. These types of stories are said to be something only spoken about after one reaches a certain age and sacrifices an uncommon animal. Mm, 
making it difficult to get their hands on these mythological stories. Socrates' worry is that people would mimic these ludicrous stories because the insane gods told them, and they are supposed to be more ideal than people. So Socrates wants to do what Hitler did, and many Christian groups tried to do throughout time. It's also similar to how people want to put the Grand Theft Auto away in other fake stories because they think that it causes all their problems, even though it does not. Wars among gods and giants are to be banned as well, quarreling with unholiness, the stories of gods tying up their mothers, or fathers of gods banishing people because they took the side of their mothers after they beat their mothers. Nice. We must baby bump for everything, for everyone, and pretend like these moments don't occur so the upcoming generations won't be prepared to have an idea of how to deal with such moments, or have an instilled opinion on them as well. Let's allow people to lean one way or another when the moment comes, based off of their relationship with the people involved. Yeah, that's a good idea. That way, a kid who spends a large amount of time with his abusive father will take on his father's side and do as he has seen. Yes, nothing would be better than that, now would it? So poetry by Homer was banned. The reason given by Socrates is that gods are good. Good things never do bad things. Never causing harm. So depictions of harm being caused by good things is not right. I think Socrates is not knowing that nothing is truly ultimately good or bad. Many negative consequences come out of positive moments. Like beating another person to a goal or in any other game as the other individual living a bad moment. Then there are moments which are initially negative, but are then the circumstance which allows a positive to be grown out of that moment, i.e. losing to a person allows you to learn how to improve for personal growth. Even a pandemic, like the coronavirus, can lead to a better appreciation of life, perhaps more unity, even though the opposite seems to be apparent right now. Even more ownership of your life was based in a bill for the benefit of Uncle Sam. Yes, that's right. To be the primary people to receive your information when they want. They don't have to pay for it now, huh? Isn't that nice? So the gods are responsible for only good things, huh? All the fiction made up is suspect to being thrown out here. The superior image of a god based off divinity makes all those stories of shape-shifting are thrown out as well. Oh, no more Zeus turning into animals and raping the humans. An analogy regarding the integrity of objects is given to explain exactly why. When something is good, the breakdown from the environment is a lot slower and a lot less. Unless if something is uh, poor in integrity. So rather than teaching what one can prove, Socrates wants to teach all that supports his own narrative, whether or not these stories are true. Deception is pointed out as the most hated thing, at least according to the characters and the Plato within his book. So quote-unquote fake stories depicting lies to children should not be included while regarding the gods. That is essentially the end of book two. I would also like to point out that in book three, Socrates goes into a massive lie he's going to tell some guards. 
starting back up with the crazy stories of the afterlife and their impact on soldiers. Socrates wants no soldier to fear dying, so they are willing to give it their all. All in the battlefield, all in their mouths, banning the names given to the afterlife, because they're spooky. Names such as sticks, the cocky doos, ghosts, that's not really scary, but anywho, ghosts under the earth, shapeless shades, sapless shades, whoops, ghosts under the earth. That doesn't make sense. What do you mean, ghosts under the earth? There's something underneath the earth other than a magma? Huh. Okie dokie. Sapless shades and so on. He wants guards to fear slavery more than death. Not only would this benefit the guards, but all the people who lose a friend or family member because it won't reduce the masses into weeping women or quote-unquote inferior men. Oh, that's right. Sexist Plato wrote sexist book. What a surprise. I don't think he was sexist. I think he had sexist thoughts, but I mean, who who doesn't, right? <laughs> All right. Regarding the weeping masses, I know that there are several people who don't believe in the great hoobajoop afterlife who still feel sorry when they lose a friend or family member. Neurologically speaking, the loss of these people is a loss of joy brought into these people's lives and the loss of opportunities that they had with these people. So this would cause a lot of sorrow. It has a lot less to do with the stories concocted where they fear what's going to happen to them afterwards. As if it wasn't enough, Socrates complains that stories of God's weeping over the loss of a friend encourages people to have no shame and therefore no self-control, making people so sensitive to cry at the slightest moment of hardship. Yes, all people should feel ashamed at how they feel if it doesn't fit the narrative of a strong individual. That way, like a real man, their emotions come up on some off day when they are vulnerable. So they lash out at everyone around them, causing more harm for less of a situation. Suppressing a natural feeling leads people to become less forgiving for others who don't do the same. Then again, I am just a gork questioning this great ape man named Plato. Lies, according to Socrates, should only be used by the rulers. Whoa, addressing the citizens and foreigners. Like how a physician is only allowed to administer medicine, a citizen... A citizen lying to a ruler is considered worse than a patient lying about their symptoms, a sailor lying to their captain, and so on. If the lie is told by anyone other than the non-human, not prone to error at all ruler, then the republic will fall. But the republic will stand stronger if the ruler lies for the good of their people. Mm, yeah, mm, all the time. That, uh, that's exactly why we're in this situation right now. 2020... People fed up with lies on both sides. People being obedient to their rulers is the main purpose of citizens as explicitly indicated by Socrates. So much to the point that other aspects of people's life is taken into account. Subserviency is claimed by Socrates to be a sign of self-control, even though it is an action carried out to be controlled by the one ruling them. Being controlled by a ruler requires a person to have self-control. And this is assumed to bleed into self-control on people's own behaviors, such as gluttony and the plethora of other personal choices one might have. 
poetry expressing people indulging on their emotions and are willing to do as one feels is said to be something censored as well. I guess Plato thought you must only allow people to view the world in some sort of augmented lens. Good job. Then Socrates goes into a story of Zeus waking up while all the other deities and people were asleep, plotting plans to manipulate his uh, relatives and others was given. According to Socrates, Zeus saw his sister Hera and forgot such plans because of his raging lightning rod. Ooh. That story and adultery and other moments are not said to be allowed into this republic. I have news for Plato that although these stories were not used in later moments of human histories, kings, lords, and other families were proven to have had marriages producing feeble offspring in Europe. Homer was called impious by Socrates in Plato's book. Meh, sounds like the sun was calling the lava hot there. Rape stories regarding the sons of Poseidon and Zeus are banned as well. The people who claim to have a bloodline from some gods is also supposed to be dismissed, thinking about the rape accusation numbers and stories of all sorts of unjust actions in the year 2020 and how the major religions essentially banned all these kind of uh, mythologies, except that one where God had coitus with a young girl who could not consent, who uh, wound up giving birth to God himself, who was also his own son, only for the son to be tortured for other people's sins. Sounds like one of those types of stories Socrates would have wanted to have been banned. And yet, there's not many stories of God openly raping people, just that one major one. Perhaps Socrates was right. Perhaps if the Christian religion never took a hold of the general populace, there wouldn't be all these sorts of situations occurring right now. Yeah, right. I don't see why people would do that. Except for maybe the whole dying for my sins. I'm okay now. These poems are also said to be mere imitations twice removed from reality. The whole premise, which was given at the initiation of this republic, where people are not supposed to do more than one job, because once they start doing multiple, they perform lesser, and they become mere imitators. I disagree, because of the whole musical group thing. Jesus, you never heard of Prince? Jeez, Purple Rain? Oh. Then he also said things along the lines of uh, people making imitating noises for other animals, such as neighing like a horse, bleeping like a sheep, and making bird noises, tweet tweet. This belief of no imitating falls apart even further once Socrates creates a double standard where people are only to imitate ideal views of a quote-unquote good person. Nice one. Dictation of forbidden several styles of poetry and acting makes this republic as conservative as it gets. The restriction puts people into their places without the opportunities to prove with merit their capability of altering their career paths. Even people who are capable of performing multiple jobs who desire to come into the republic would be turned away. You don't want to ruin your ancient tyranny. Music gets slashed from its more versatile instruments and songs expressing sorrow along with loose giddy feelings. Only March-style songs were said to be permitted. A statement that rhythm and harmony are supposed to only follow the words being expressed 
which commonly makes pop culture of music from the early portion of the 20th century and upwards, up for tossing straight into the trash bin. I can't tell you how many times I've heard an upbeat song talking about depressing moments. Songs such as American Woman, 96 Tears, and many others. Just thinking of the songs you have danced to for a, a good time, only to listen to the words to find out this is not a very happy song, has you wondering, maybe Socrates was right. Or rather, Plato using Socrates as a mask. They go into guards growing up on images of ugly, perverted ideas which will not help them fulfill their jobs correctly. Even though the whole act of going to war is something which brings only harm to many people physically and psychologically, these guards are said to be trained to always be alert and not have any sleeping, while being put through many a trials of harsh weathers and the food rations, abstaining from sweets and other different types of wonderful things from the luxurious lifestyles, keeping away from prostitutes too. Thrown in this area is also the mention of men who are in love with little boys, should only kiss them like a father would kiss their own son, and only do so with permission. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm starting to think more and more Plato and or Socrates had some personal experience with this sort of matter. <laughs> a climax comes into play when Socrates speaks about how true justice in a republic is when the healthy soul leads the healthy life and doctors, judges, and lawyers are not needed until some quote-unquote real malady comes into play. This is where the quote given credit to Plato is. They give diseases such strange names comes into play. Diseases such as flatulence were not to even exist at the moment. I think I have flatulence right now. I have that when I eat certain foods like Brussels sprouts. I don't understand him, or he thinks it wouldn't be there if I wasn't being healthy. I wish Void was here right now. I'd unleash some of my uh, flatulence now. Anywho, I also had no idea that banning a plethora of bad actions would ultimately destroy any demand whatsoever. I always thought those black marketplaces somehow just never really existed because the laws were there. Places now where certain laws forbidding homosexuality with the backing of the death penalty has proven that the people should just dress up in drag and where little boys are sex slaves supporting this sort of sick demand. To the contrary, harsher laws only lead to more creative ways around said laws in order to avoid consequences, even when it comes to drug laws. The places with the highest success rate in lowering the undesired actions allow for their use in highly regulated situations in order to educate people and wean them off of certain terrible drugs such as heroin. I wouldn't say this would work with sexual preferences because there has been many people who have been sent to a pray the gay away camps only to complain of unwanted sexual interactions from the authority figures and still desiring to just avoid those who sent them there and to run away for acceptance somewhere else. That, or they just grow up and try to enact laws against their own type of people because the ones who have the balls to enact on their own feelings 
are the ones that they hate the most because they're jealous, jealous of their openness and the freeness and the lies that the person has inside their head trying to tell themselves it's just a choice because they've been brain fucked. One thing I do like about this book is that when a person without many means suffers from a disease, they usually ask a physician for a quick patch up on their symptoms rather than adjusting their lifestyle to help their body to perform better. It is said this is very similar to the people who are wealthy in this luxurious republic as well. Blaming headaches and lightheadedness on learning and thinking are also mentioned at this point, where it took a cynical turn. Humans are seen as being nearly destroyed by an illness or are not said to be capable of recuperating afterwards and living a fulfilled life. So they should be left to their own problems. Probably oft. Shortly after this, Polymarchus claims that judges and physicians both need to see people who are good and bad in order to help out the situation as a whole. Socrates claimed that Polymarchus compared two unlike types of people. Interesting. Because at the beginning of the book, Socrates was defending justice with the same idea. Because there was a conceptual continuity. I think hypocrisy is a ridiculous and it is right here, right now, in this moment of the book. And Socrates' double standard nut, he has wrapped around his argument. And he claimed that physicians are usually better when they are themselves people who have suffered a malady, since a person's body isn't a tool used to perform their art, but rather the mind. I would like to point out that the mind is hosted inside of the brain and is in fact part of the body. The judge is then expressed as someone who shouldn't be around those who have bad habits, for they would be corrupted in using their minds. First thing I'd like to point out is that both judges and physicians use their minds, both part of their bodies, which is a common trait of both positions. Secondly, I claim that knowing the way people find themselves in moments where they have habits not conducive to a healthy life will help a judge to have a better understanding on what they have seen and what they will soon judge on. As if this wasn't enough ludicrousy, I would like to point out that Socrates separated experience from knowledge. This is something that still affects academia today, where they claim that there are two types of knowledge. One is exclamatory and the other one is non-exclamatory. One more step in the right direction. But as a person who desires a more concise description, I'd argue that if a person is capable of using their communication skills and has enough time to think about it, one can easily describe how to perform tasks which they have learned to do without using many words, step by step, and explaining the various details involved in performing the tasks. If this were not true, then musicians like those in the band Escape Code would not be able to teach me what they know right now. The guitar player has taught me how certain actions will feel, and pointers on how to execute certain actions. This, in the formation of sciences, based on lifting weights properly in accordance with physiology in order to avoid injury, is something that the other people do by expressing how it feels to properly brace one's abdomen when lifting heavy weight, and using one's right muscles when performing compounded exercises such as deadlifts, squats, clings, bench press strict press, and so on. A detour on how good people with wisdom, which comes with age, are said to view those who are with a bad quote-unquote constitute as misguided and foolish, 
because they are unable to tell a good person apart from a bad one, because they have become cynical, thinking everyone wants to perform these deeds except for the least intelligent. Only when a bad person is around one's own or younger will be one to appear as cunning. This is the logic of Socrates, which he uses to claim that a judge should be of older age. I have met many who expect me to steal, who happen to be police officers, and in their forties. I have also worked with people who expect me to break one law or two because I have a long beard, or allow my hair to become shaggy from time to time. I had no idea that the way I wear my hair shows what I have done or what I will do. Am I to expect those people to be bad for assuming I'm bad? Or expect that those older people are sometimes wise and they know I do something I am not aware of? Where I go Numeran Bates and blackout and start doing things? It's just a sign that people have biases and sometimes these biases are formed around people's environments. The most common explanation I think of and that others have communicated to me is that many fear the unknown, and many who have little experience with some attributes, which change depending upon mood and personality. When I found myself spending money on a weekly or bi-weekly or sometimes monthly basis, altering the shape and length of my hair, I am commonly spoken to in a much more positive manner, and greeted with a much more positive attitude. It's nothing more than a bias used for poorly conceived notions based on close to no actual knowledge at all. Starting when these children are young, they are supposed to be taught both the art of gymnastics and the arts such as music. A well-balanced formulation was described. Meanwhile, back in the primary law land of Socrates' Republic, the people are to have, have only one job. Okay. Along with this training regiment, the children are to be taught their duty is to always do what is best for the Republic. Even though people disagree on what is best and how to go about doing what is best on many topics, let alone running a Republic. Things like eating, what you should uh, do with your body, how you should speak, how you should organize, how you should think, and how you should problem solve. It is said that these children who forget what is best for the Republic will be weeded out in the selection process when it comes for time of their real training as a guard. The concept for trying to enchant people with fear and pleasures is also something that is used to further test these people. As a final idea from Socrates is to create the supreme lie. All guards will be brainwashed to believe that all their training in their childhood was merely a dream where it was truly their mother earth which gave them the knowledge and unleashed them into the world like a mother giving birth to them. And their mother came into the form of a republic and all the people inside of the republic are all siblings. The greatest guards are destined to be leaders and are made of gold. Guards made of silver are designed to be assistants to leaders. Those made of brass and iron are meant to be craftspeople and farmers. When it comes to breeding, parents will usually release offspring made of the same metal. But since everyone is related, sometimes the metal is different, sometimes moving up in metal or moving down. The primary goal 
seems to be having a merit-based system where relatives don't just take office due to their direct family lineage. My main takeaway from this is that Socrates thinks lying is bad unless it's for the benefit of the ideal republic. I would think that would backfire on them at some point. Lying is also evil, unless the big daddy says otherwise. That, and he is fine with everyone believing that they are related. So I don't see how incest is going to be something not acceptable at this point, even though later on in Book 4 and 5, I believe he talks about not allowing people to give birth to incestuous babies. At the end of this crappy book here in the Republic, the guards should be regulated in their property and housing. Always live with their fellow guardsmen, just enough to fill their means. Another brainwashing technique Socrates expresses is that all they need in wealth is inside their soul and that they are made of these metals. The guards are not even allowed to have silver or any other good. And if they want to possess any of these earthly forms of wealth, then they are told that they will be bad people and will be nothing more than the worst types of people who have been plotted against and will be plotted against. And they will be nothing more than the most terrible people of all. Such an uplifting way to finish book number three. And with that, I bid you adieu, be do be do be do. Peace out. Here is a scapegoat. In the mind of you Why is it you Be alive
come from me, reflecting only you. It's just a fermentation of your neurological brew. No, we all have conviction, all currents of the mind. Yeah, 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 yeah.